0: Hey, woman beings, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. I'm here with the amazing Kelly Ann and the amazing Emma, and we have a guest with us, Reva Henry, who is just a girl who happens to be a worship leader. She's an adjunct professor who teaches voice and music and worship leading to young minds, and she's also full of wisdom. So we're very excited to pass along some of her deep, deep wealth of knowledge to you today. And with all that being said, let's dive in. Welcome to the Woman Being Podcast community,
1: where we explore thoughts and opinions
0: and have the freedom to change our minds without expectation or
2: judgment.
1: We will hold a safe space and support each other
2: as we navigate together in the form of feminine.
0: Recently, you did this amazing Instagram story, 40 days before 40 situation, and you output some of your amazing ideas that you had learned over your life and Mm -hmm. little nuggets of wisdom. And so many of them were so good that Mm -hmm. I was like, we have to reach out to her and get her on this podcast Mm -hmm. because you're amazing. And the world should know. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's also unbelievable that you're 40, honestly. I know. <laughs> oh, you <know. laughs> Thank you, girl. <laughs> Tell us you your know. skincare routine. Oh, no. yeah. she, she doesn't look great right now, but you <laughs> know. She now. is. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. 40 days to 40. I, one, 40 is a big birthday, right? Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people that, I went to high school with, you know, the people you went to high school with, you start turning the same ages and it's like back Mm -hmm. to back. So people that were in the class before me were turning 40 last year during 2020. And I'm like, oh, that is so sad to have such like a big birthday during crazy times when you could barely do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like, ooh, what am I going to do for my 40th birthday? Mm -hmm. And so I got this idea to talk about 40 lessons that I learned in my 30s. Wow. Um and the 30s when I tell you they taught me a lot <laughs> they taught me a lot from beginning to the end and so I was like literally I feel like the 30s really made me mm. and so I was like I want to share some of the things that I learned along the way about life about relationships um, about ministry life yeah. just about so many different things that I learned in my 30s and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll share with people and we'll see if they get something out of it. But the response was like really, really crazy to me Mm -hmm. um, because it was such a wide gamut of people that actually resonated with the Mm posts from literally like young, I say young because I am 40, (laughs) Um, so people that are like in their 20s, so people that were like in their like 60s and Mm -hmm. 70s, they were like, oh my goodness, like you should put this in a book, so I'm contemplating about how to compile the things.
0: (laughs) She could write a book. You know, about
3: the lessons of my life. So,
0: yeah. And some of those things she talked about singleness, you talked about navigating painful ministry experiences, you talked about racial justice and womanhood and all sorts of things. It was just incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A really wide gamut. Absolutely. Mm
3: -hmm. Absolutely. Which kind of, mess with my head when people start talking about a book. I'm like, because you think of a book, you think of one topic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, how am I supposed to combine all of the different areas of lessons, if you will, um, into one book? But someone gave me a couple of ideas about how other authors have done, how they explore various topics. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll have to explore this one a little bit, (laughs) for sure.
0: Well, we... Eagerly await
2: anticipation.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: the day that that is released.
2: <laughs> I love that, and also like like hearing from you almost gives a, a young young mid twenties person hope because I'm like, oh my gosh, like the lessons. Get to keep going. You don't mm-hmm. have to figure it all out in your 20s, mm-hmm. which I feel like there's a lot of pressure for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you ladies, Kelly and Emma, but 20s have kind of kicked my butt. Mm-hmm. But um, knowing that there's time and mm-hmm. there's there's grace to continue mm-hmm. the process. Um, but particularly what I'm curious about yeah. is as you've been a part of various church communities, mm-hmm. you kind of addressed this in your post. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you've seen um, churches... Done, do things well mm-hmm. and not so well. It feels mm-hmm. like you've kind of experienced a wide gamut. A wide
3: gamut and a, wi- a lot of wide, <laughs> different environments as mm-hmm. well. I want to say that the, the one thing that I feel that I've seen kind of across the board people do well mm. is really help people identify like what are you gifted to do mm. you know what mm. is purpose how do yeah. you find your purpose what are you supposed to do in this lifetime in this world mm-hmm. so really kind of being like a discovery zone type place for a lot of people mm-hmm. um i think i've seen that done well across the board and then of course there are environments where people have done some things well and other people's ha- other people have not. Um, but one thing that I would say across the board just kind of given a general of something I've seen that has not gone well mm. is how to do family right mm. you know, how to mm. really do community, how to really in church is supposed to be the place of community, right When I grew up, um, especially in um, African American churches, Like, the church was the family. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything outside of sister so-and-so was the auntie that could get you together if you were out of line, you know, Mm -hmm. because she had permission to because it was one big family. And um, even just birthdays, like, I still see today from, like, friendships that I had or my sister had from the church that we grew up in, like they're all still really good friends. Mm-hmm. And when they start posting pictures, especially my sister, because um, she was older than I was. Um, she's still alive. So just, like she wasn't <laughs> alive anymore. <laughs> she was older than I was. She's still older she than still me. <laughs> you know, she still is. She still is. She's she still alive and breathing. She's is. still <laughs> kicking <him>. Okay. <laughs> my bad. Um, but like they are still such good friends. They have such mm-hmm. great memories from trips and, you know, different things that they had together as kind of like a family unit and so like when one of their family members dies or like one of their parents dies it's like oh somebody from our actual blood family actually died that's what it felt like you know and so and a lot of a lot of that does come from kind of the historical racial um kind of tension if you will mm-hmm. in the world because the church was kind of the gathering place mm-hmm. it was the yeah, safe place yeah. you know for the community uh to come and to be obviously with mm-hmm. like-minded people but to really kind of get their hearts healed so you end up investing a lot you know in yeah. the church so that's kind of just what I grew up under it's what I grew up around mm-hmm. um and then I grew up right yeah, yeah I did, yeah. and. <laughs> yeah. um, And just realize there were some places that I've I've seen it done well. Mm -hmm. And there are other places where I've seen it like, oh, my goodness. Um, The idea of family. One, everybody thinks differently about what family actually is. You know, I think the best probably most healing statement I ever heard was everybody has a different definition of family. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of gave me the idea like, Oh, I can't put expectations on people um, because what they think family is and what I think family is are two completely different things. And then you bring that into a church and you have like hundreds of people with different ideas of what family really means. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are just acting out what they probably experienced mm-hmm. Um from family, and then they bring it to church, and they think that this, if I can wrap a nice little Christian bow around it, mm-hmm. then this is right, this is good. And so, I've seen across the board that churches, because of that, because there's not one single definition of what community and family um, actually is, mm-hmm. then so many people bring their interpretations into the church, um, and it unfortunately causes a lot of the hurt and causes a lot Mm. of the pain
2: that's like so interesting to me as well because like we were talking uh with megan Schantz recently Mm -hmm. about the difference between the ruler's church and the people's church Mm -hmm. and i feel like we see a big um we see a difference in that as well when you're talking about like african-american communities the the church was the safe haven Mm -hmm. for like the typical white evangelical Mm -hmm. church That's not necessarily the case. And so I feel like you can see very different manifestations, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you will, of the word family and interpretations. Totally. And uh, it's not always. Amazing.
3: Right. And don't (laughs) get me wrong. Um, Don't get me wrong. I will not paint the picture to say that every African-American church got it right and they understood how to do it because they don't. You know, Um, and they still take kind of their same interpretation of what family is. If Mm -hmm. you grew up in a family where you were told what to do and you better respect your elders type lingo of life, Mm -hmm. then you kind of can take that into your leadership role and Mm -hmm. you... expecting people to, oh no, I'm your elder, you respect me. And you kind of divvy out that kind of dictatorship type mentality to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the receiving end, you don't know any difference. So you receive it and you say, okay, this is normal because this is actually probably how I grew up too. Mm -hmm. So I have to sit here and take it. And it's like, actually, this is probably a real toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. And we don't really actually know it because we don't have language for it because we don't Mm -hmm. talk about those types of things. So it's across the board. But at the general kind of core, I think just even of African-American people in general, we have always been like a rallying people, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So you take us to church and we're rallying around our love for God and scripture and all those types of things, Mm -hmm. then it does become that safe haven. We love to eat together. We Mm -hmm. love to quote unquote fellowship. We we literally always had a fellowship hall because Mm -hmm. what do you do at the fellowship hall? You fellowship. It's all about breaking bread, right? Even if the bread was just cookies (laughs) from the dollar store (laughs) and the jug of juice. Juice after service. Yeah. You went over there and you got your little cookies. Yeah. And it was literally usually the when I say dollar store cookies. It was literally like just the cookie, the Oreo light cookies, but not quite Oreos. Yeah, yeah You know yeah. what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, little yeah, yeah, sandwich type yeah. cookies. Yeah, I do, I do. With your little high fructose syrup juice. <laughs> yeah. And you were happy about it and you yeah. went and you did it, um, because that's what was normal, and it was the people. Yeah. Now it was a real great day if somebody had some fried chicken and some <laughs> green beans and mashed potatoes. Like, oh, we got real food today. This is great. Uh, but That's I, 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 I do believe just generally across the board, the one thing that I've seen not done well is that community aspect mm-hmm. and
1: the yeah. family. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because. I think we have seen the trend in, in like American culture mm-hmm. and then magnified even more, I think, in white American culture mm-hmm. is to to be so individualized mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to not really rely on community. Um, and I think there's some aspects where like, like white communities don't really feel the need for that, mm-hmm. whereas like um, communities that um, – are minorities mm-hmm. like they? There's there's more of that like camaraderie and like mm-hmm. more of that fellowship because of like shared experiences and shared mm-hmm. oppression and all all the different things that go into that. Um, and so we wind up with churches that are like predominantly white churches that look nothing like the Axe Church, honestly, yeah. and that don't have that sense of community and that sense of family because it's all about us Mm -hmm. it's all about the individual Mm -hmm. and like it's about what does church do for you Mm -hmm. and not about like how can i become part of this body you know um i think a lot of people see church as sort of like a a Mm self-service rather than a community to to become part of and to sow into like they're like well what does this give me Mm -hmm. what is this feeding me i think is the thing that a lot of people say and it's like well like that's not really the entire point, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually interesting. You're talking about, like, uh, the, the, the differences of, of family definitions and of, like, respect and things like that. I It makes me think of um, I was living in Philadelphia and I was going to a church that was very diverse um, and our pastor uh, was... He's mixed of a bunch of different races, mm-hmm. but he um, he grew up in a mostly sort of like African American slash Native American home. And uh, there were a couple times where we actually sort of clashed because we had sort of different definitions of what respect looked like. Mm-hmm. And we had honest conversations about it, which was really valuable and really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, but it sort of hit me like, oh, I'm OK, we're we're not seeing eye to eye here mm-hmm. because like we're coming from such different backgrounds and like we need to sit down and talk about this, um, which like, it was great. I I adore my pastor from Philly and, um, it, it was really, really good that we communicated that, but a lot of people don't get that communication. And I think that's really key when you're coming from all these different backgrounds. If you're, if you're a bunch of people coming together, Mm -hmm. we are the body of Christ and we have that commonality. Mm -hmm but we still have our our differences in the ways mm-hmm. that we were raised and we have our differences in our cultures and in the way that we view things and the way we think about things and what our personality is mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's some of the tension that comes with Absolutely. family.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's family too at the yeah. same time, mm-hmm. right?
3: So like if we actually... Had that one definition of Mm. what does this look like Mm. in the church context. And it involved everybody being able to have a seat at the table, bringing 100% who they are to the table and us embracing it, us talking about the differences, us, you know, talking about the tense moments when there is a tense moment because if we come from environments where like you no know, you stuff it down you don't talk about it you don't do any of those types of things Hi. right girl me too right <laughs> you know you don't have that as a tool
2: yeah
3: um, yeah you're coming in and you're just operating like you're saying like out of what you normally do mm-hmm. versus everybody coming to that table so i'm like oh can somebody just get like on a big I don't know, speaker in every part of the country and say, hey, this is what family looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what you do when there's a disagreement, you know, like if you did that and then people would come in, even though it may be uncomfortable to them, Mm -hmm. they could come in and say, "Okay, I have to learn something Mm -hmm. or I have to put down something in order to pick up something, Mm -hmm. you know, but we don't know that. And so it's beautiful that you had the opportunity to be able to engage in that conversation Mm -hmm. with the pastor, you know, who obviously has a high value for communication and which people don't, Mm -hmm. you know, that's within itself. Um, And like you said, not even knowing what respect looks like on all ends. Yeah. Like something as small as that Yeah, people, you have no idea. Like I used to teach high school. Yes, oh. yes, yes! Oh yes. my gosh! That is- <laughs> God bless you. Um, you are, yeah, you are an angel. <laughs> <laughs> at a private Christian school, at that. oh that, no. mm-hmm. <laughs> it adds an extra layer. And I love the wow. kids, but what it came down to was respect mm-hmm. of what respect looks like to me. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, Miss Henry, you probably acted like us in high school. I said, no, 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 no. No, 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 because my mom was crazy. <laughs> you know, and so she told me if I embarrassed her in public, that she would embarrass me in public. And I didn't Ooh. test her. I took her at her word. You know, because I knew she was crazy. Yeah, she's serious. Yeah, <laughs> she's not the issue let me get is to and that. so that was kind of like a fear and respect at the same yeah. time. Yeah. But with her, I'm like, you guys don't fear your parents.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and so I said, "Do you treat your mother like you treat me?" And the answer was yes. Mm. And so, different backgrounds, different ways of seeing respect, seeing leadership, seeing people that are older older than them, or in any other case, mm. um, the response is going to be different. So, if it's different within a classroom, surely it's different within a church. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: When well, I think something, I don't know if Kelly Ann's talked about this, or if we talked about this with you, or I don't remember where this came up, but. I think oftentimes people forget that even though it's family, you still need boundaries. Oh, yes. You know, like, I think maybe there's an assumption that, like, oh, this is family, this is safe. And we forget that, like, that, I mean, it it is mutual respect and, like, respecting each other's, like, needs and wants, etc. But a lot of it is, like, setting good boundaries. And, you know, I'm not going to be as close to, you know an estranged brother as I am, like, mm-hmm. a close brother or, you know, things like that. So um, the idea of, like, just letting all of our guards down and, like, coming together as a community, I think ideally, yes, that would be totally. The, that would be, like, the, I don't know. The goal. The, the goal. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, we have to be realistic. We have to guard our heart. We mm-hmm. have to step in and, like, teach people how to treat us with love in the way that we need, which mm-hmm. has been... A lifelong journey for me Um, but yeah I think that like isn't often an element that is forgotten when it comes to the word families that there's I mean my parents don't live in my house Mm -hmm. you know you know my yeah we don't have the same dynamics that everybody might think
3: no I think that's super important I think the important teaching people the importance one of establishing boundaries and then also teaching people how to love people with boundaries You know, like, those things are definitely not talked about, especially within a church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to actual family, I have an aunt. Like, she had a drug problem. Mm -hmm. And it's a very known fact that she would steal things and go buy drugs, right? Mm -hmm. So if aunt comes over, which is a rare, rare occasion that she does get a chance to come over, number one. So boundary number one. Number two, like, we hide things. Like, we're not going to give you as much access to the house as we would give cousin who's totally fine, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think you do learn to put up boundaries and it's not to like be cold hearted and to be shut off and shut down to people and things, but you do learn like who can have, handle the responsibility Mm -hmm. of having access that close access to your heart. And that comes from time i think we did talk about that mm-hmm. that comes from trust that does not come in day 1 mm-hmm. and, you know and the people that think that Oh, you met me today and now you're going to hear all my life's long stories. And no, that's not happening, baby. Mm -hmm. So like, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take time for me to get to know you. It's going to to take time for me to get to um, see if if this is a trusted place. And if I do see that, it's probably not. It's not that I love you less. Mm -hmm. It's just that I don't give you access to my heart. And that's okay. And I'm not any less Christian for not doing so
2: oh I love what you just said I'm not any Mm -hmm. less Christian because I didn't give you full access to my heart Mm -hmm. how many people need to hear that yeah (laughs) Yeah. say that one again yeah I think reach
1: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of push within church communities to be just like hyper vulnerable all Mm -hmm. the time and I think that there's this tension between like transparency about your life and vulnerability about your life Mm -hmm. like whether you're sure you can be transparent and sort of share about the things that have happened to you, share about your past or whatever, but vulnerability is something that's sort of another level of, Mm -hmm. um, uh, of actually like partnering with people through the things that you're going through and through your life struggles and whatever that looks like. And like you, not everybody just gets that access.
0: Well, and I think it like out of an attempt, because I think I can at least speak into the white evangelical church out of an attempt to want that family and to want that closeness, we've kind of created a culture where we sit down at somebody's house and have dinner, and then everybody shares their deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> and this is like, you know, an eight week Bible study mm-hmm, that you yeah. get put into random homes because this is how you do community mm-hmm, and you get to know mm-hmm, new people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're like bearing your heart to people that. Number one, you don't even know that well. Number two, like, yeah. have no trust or rapport built up with. And it's sort of like these forced vulnerability sessions. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't, yeah, it's, I don't know. It feels like I don't out of an attempt to create that community, we've mm-hmm. sort of set up yeah. artificial structures that totally. require vulnerability. But yep. vulnerability without connection is actually not family. Mm-hmm. Yep. So can I just share an
2: unpopular church opinion?
0: Yes, please
2: do. do it. It is that I hate small groups. And it's not that I don't love the idea of them. Mm-hmm. It's literally what you just said, Kelly, of we're going to pick these random people, make them have this vulnerability, connection, family situation for whatever, six weeks, eight weeks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then it's done. hmm and like it's it kind of makes me think of simon i can't remember his last name but he yeah. thank you yes <laughs> and he he has this like little talk about how trust is built mm-hmm. and it's in the little moments over time mm-hmm. no one can tell you when trust happens but it's about history, Absolutely. and I'm like this idea of like we're just gonna get together and it's gonna be great, and all this growth is gonna happen, and this spiritual vulnerability, and I'm like these are gonna
0: be your lifelong friends. I don't you know, know that saying? that's how it works, yeah. no. and I
2: love the intention. Mm-hmm. I think the intention's beautiful, but I'm just like, oh. I, I don't yeah. i don't function like that yeah. as a human
1: yeah i feel like i'd say i hate short-term small groups mm-hmm. okay. i adore long-term, long-term small groups mm-hmm. yeah. and that's been more of what i've experienced in churches is like small groups where you're literally going to be going there for years mm-hmm. and it's not like a six-week bible study mm-hmm. that we're going to go through this devotional yeah. and but do, even do, like do. a sixth
0: month honestly
1: like mm-hmm.
0: if like hopping into a Sixth month Bible study with randos like that's not
1: yeah. trust yeah. is built. I mean, like, I think it depends on the person too. It, a lot. it totally it's awesome. it does. Yeah. I
2: think that's fair. But like I've, th- I think that's amazing that you've had that experience with like long term small groups. I've never seen that done personally. But also you kind of it feels like your church is kind of like the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. I went to some great church churches. You have some really yeah. good, good experiences. Like, <laughs> I'm just like.
3: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> was just I, think, very I think even when it sounds like even for like what your church might have been like that they placed a high value on discipleship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. discipleship and small groups are not the same thing mm-hmm. yes thank mm-hmm. you know and so small groups it's just like you were saying it's a beautiful idea mm-hmm. of getting people to come together and it's like a seed like, let's just throw this seed out there and maybe these people will jail, Maybe they won't. But if they do, maybe they will eventually become a long-term group, you mm-hmm. know, type situation. So it's hopeful and it's, its intentions are beautiful and wonderful and great. But when a church is, like, committed to life-on-life discipleship, that's the game changer. Because mm-hmm. then it is literally you becoming friends mm-hmm. or whatever with this group yeah. of people Um, I experienced that Mm -hmm. with my church back in Texas. We were all a part of a college ministry together. Mm -hmm. So we were in this thing together. Mm -hmm. um, So we got to know each other. It wasn't just like, oh, let's put you in a room and get together for six weeks. We're working together. We're doing all the things. It's like, okay, you're kind of cool. You want to hang out and go to like the movies afterwards? All right, cool. You want to just come in my house for a game night? Sure, cool. And so it was super organic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we were all growing and learning at the same time, not in a Bible study per se, but it was just an organic growth of friendship because of that organic growth of friendship. And we had um, a leader who was over the college ministry who didn't necessarily encourage us to all get together, but opened up his life Mm. for us to be a part of. And so it was literally like, hey- Y'all want to come over? Let's have the team over for, you know, dinner Mm -hmm. at the house with the kids. Mm -hmm. Just just dinner. No agenda. Mm -hmm. Dinner and hanging. beautiful. So because of that life on life type of interaction, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh. And now those are literally some of my closest friends still Mm -hmm. to this day, almost 20 years later. Yeah.
0: That is amazing because it just takes so much of the pressure off
2: Mm -hmm. of
3: it. The interest.
0: last, yeah. yeah, the last time I had a good small group was in high school, mm-hmm. um, because there was a group of like young just out of high school, like early college students and then some high school students, and they like got together and we we just had fun together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like it was the kind of small group where you would go and you knew it was supposed to be, you know, three hours. And you'd stay six or eight hours mm-hmm. because everybody's having a good time. Or you'd show up, like, two hours early just to, like, be together. Yep. I haven't, like, found that again because yeah. it really feels like... I mean, it's the same as, like, developing an organic Inst- Instagram account
2: mm-hmm.
0: compared to, like, paying for promotion. You mm-hmm. know, like, you can get follows, you can grow an audience, but... If your audience doesn't engage with you, it's not actually beneficial to anybody. So, like, this idea of, like, this organic growth in groups, I feel like we – I mean, it's not, like, necessarily – you know, there's not a step-by-step in the Bible on how to do that, yeah. you know, or that it's it has to be that way or right. whatever. But I really feel like, at least in my life, like, I want to commune and talk about Jesus and do the Bible with the people that are already – like my people you know that. like it, the hard part is when it comes in and it's like oh there's new people and we got to mix mm, it up and mm. we got everybody you know it's like maybe we don't like maybe I mean there's nothing wrong with having like you know meet and greets and helping people get to know more people but mm-hmm. like when you take that meet and greet and then you put it into an eight-month program or <laughs> a six-week program or whatever like it becomes this awkward like forced Thing and these people may not have no chemistry at all. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I understand that sometimes people really click and it works and it's sort of like dating, you know, or it's It's like like rolling
3: the dice. It's like take a chance, but it may not work. You may never talk to these people ever again. But I mean, you did it for six weeks, so try again next time. Yeah. But then who wants to try again next time? Yeah. Yeah. And even for like the people that are just not, you know, social butterflies. Throwing them into a group full of strangers is probably not the most appealing process. Mm-hmm. It's very know?
2: intimidating. 1,000%
3: mm-hmm. versus if I were to see this person and I were to approach this person and like, hey, you new here, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And start to just kind of have casual conversation. You want to get coffee one day. Mm-hmm. And then maybe... We get coffee one day, even though I don't drink coffee, so I probably have tea. But (laughs) you get tea one day, and they drink coffee. (laughs) And, you know, and it's cool. Like, all right, cool. Well, hey, I'm actually having, like, a game night at my house with some friends. You can come if you'd like. And making it feel less pressure-like, like Mm -hmm. like what you were saying, and making it just doing life with people. I I feel like that aspect would help out this whole small group scenario um from being so traumatic and so weird and then we all get a chance to flourish yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like
0: we've all had that experience where we're in a group and we feel pressured to share something and so yeah. we like share a prayer request or something that you know with people we don't know and then like yeah three weeks later we find out that that one person in the group or the couple, those couples in the group are actually literal crazies. Right. Mm -hmm. And you like wish that you never like, why did I connect with these people ever? You know, or you get a really traumatizing response from people. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Like I remember one time I was like, I am just so hungry for more of God. Like, and I was like telling them about, I was like, I need more. Like, I feel like I'm starving. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, Oh, that's an amazing place to be. And I, that was the response. Like, yeah, just keep that going. And I'm like, no, I don't think you understand what I'm describing. I am mm-hmm. describing a desperation mm-hmm. for more of the Lord. And your response is, that's great. And I was yeah. like, you know, and, like, we don't always know how to handle each other's vulnerabilities. Totally. And, and that's why, again, back to Simon, those trust moments Absolutely. that are just built over time. Over
3: time. It takes time. time. I think we talked about this but a friend of our, a friend of mine, he's not really a friend. I actually don't really know him. So there we go. Backtrack on that. <laughs> a person I know. There we go. A human. Um, a human. <laughs> um, basically said like, how you build trust. If you were to fill a bucket with trust, it takes one drop at a time until that bucket is filled. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And it takes one second for that entire bucket to be spilled over. Mm-hmm. And rebuilding that process um so it does take time I think bringing the trust factor into the conversation is so important because I think it's kind of dumb if you would to say hey strangers get in a room and all of a sudden become best friends you know Mm -hmm. I don't think that sets people up with safety yeah I don't think it sets people up to really be them the best version of themselves in that mm-hmm. moment versus practicing hey, some trust. Like, mm-hmm. what would it look like if churches practiced building trust, yeah, with mm-hmm. each other in the groups within their churches mm-hmm. and encourage that mm-hmm. and to move forward in that? Um, you might see something a lot different. And you might see those authentic relationships that could last
1: for a lifetime,
3: mm.
1: even if the people did move away,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, as we're talking about this and like things that the church could do better, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that there's there's so much to dive into with like vulnerability and family mm-hmm. and what all that looks like. Um, but one thing that you touched on a little bit earlier that I'd love to hear a little bit more about is what the church could do better in terms of like race, right? Mm-hmm. So in the past year we've had a really big like sort of racial reckoning in mm-hmm. this country. Um, I think of a lot of people realizing things that have been going on for a long time that mm-hmm. people have sort of turned a blind eye to. And um the church has had varied responses mm-hmm. to that. Um so I'm curious to hear from you like what are some of the ways you could see the church do better? Yeah, in that area.
3: Ooh, first of all, mm-hmm. 2020. Everybody was saying that it's the year of vision. <laughs> 2020, yeah. vision. Right? 2020 vision. 2020 <laughs> so vision. And oh, it was beyond. Mm-hmm. I'm like, however, the things that we saw were not things that we were prepared to see, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. It just makes all the sense that the world would slow down. Mm -hmm. that everyone was at home and everyone was actually forced to watch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everybody was actually forced to open their eyes to see in that moment less distractions less distractions no busyness to run to the next thing like everyone had to watch it Mm -hmm. yeah um and which was great on one end but just like you were saying the response is varied Mm -hmm. everybody did not respond with compassion (laughs) and with like we must do something about this Um, And I get it when you go into the political realm of life, but Mm -hmm. how opinions always vary, especially when, you know, things are political. But I think the first thing the church can do on race conversation is take politics out of it Mm -hmm. and go back and just actually look at humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not about what bills um Policy. policies policies <laughs> yeah. all the things you know throw that out the window and look at humanity look at your fellow brothers your fellow sisters mm-hmm. look going back to this family aspect of it your brothers are hurting mm-hmm. your sisters are hurting your people, um, your family members are being mistreated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you take the political lens off and you actually see a human and you actually see a person and you look in eyes and you hear stories, Mm -hmm. it allows you to feel something that you've never felt before. And that's the kind of the turning point that I've seen in a lot of churches and church leaders is that they actually saw people this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They didn't see a political agenda. They didn't see um, political... Puss, put, put, put. That was about to be a really not great word. <laughs> I,
2: mean,
3: um. I was like, here for I like, it. I was ready. Like, oh. say <laughs> <laughs> it. Like, yes, just go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Political stances, we'll just completely flip it. Um, Political stances on a lot of things. And they actually saw people. Mm. And they saw people's stories. They heard people's stories. Mm. And they saw people in their churches. And they actually saw how it affected them and their own personal stories. And so the positive things that have come from it was that the church actually started to see people. Mm -hmm. Mm. And um, in order for us to continue to move forward with the race conversation, we have to be willing to see each other we have to be willing to hear each other but that's on all sides and Mm -hmm. so it's not just on the sides of the people that are oppressed it's I really believe we all need to listen to each other Mm -hmm. because the people that are not oppressed need to hear that hey when you do this thing and when you say this thing Mm -hmm. and when you you know champion this thing this is actually how it makes this group of people feel Mm -hmm. okay and then we need to know why do you feel this way why are you so passionate about this thing Mm -hmm. why do you care about these particular areas because let me tell you over here that's not even on our radar Mm -hmm. you know and you for example because it still takes it back to politics but you care about taxes And these people over here care about their loved ones being killed. Two very different narratives, two very different stories. Mm -hmm. But if we all gathered once again at a table Mm
2: -hmm.
3: to actually dialogue and I care about you as my sister, I care about you as my brother, and I'm willing to look you in the eye and hear your story and hear um, and actually care about your story, Mm -hmm. it may cause me to look differently At what I'm thinking about, and then maybe you can teach me about taxes because, like, literally, like it's it's literally a thing. Like, I because taxes are not on my radar of things to actually care about because I'm trying to stay alive. Yeah, Yeah. you know. So while you harp on taxes, I'm like, that sounds real dumb to Mm me. But however. I know it affects our livelihood in some Mm -hmm. way. So maybe you talk to me about what this is and I can talk to you about this and maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I think churches being able to hear each other's stories and share why you have this belief about this thing would make me not think that you're completely insensitive and you don't have a heart when you're talking about taxes. Mm
1: Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm.
3: versus... You, maybe you actually do care about me, but I don't know that you care about me because of the thing that you harp on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think, oh gosh, there's so much I could talk about with this, <laughs> I feel like, but I think that that's one of the biggest flaws with our current political system is that we have this, like, two-party mm-hmm. Uh, thing where it's like, you are either on this party or you're on this party, and you must align with all the things that each of these parties believes in. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're more conservative, and you're on the Republican side, and I know people who are much more conservative because of taxes, Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. like, I'm an economics person, Mm -hmm. I'm into this. And I think that this is the way taxes should be done. Or I think this is how involved the government should be Mm -hmm. in these things. But for some reason, we've decided that if you think that, then you also must think these things about right. race. You also, right. things about yeah. right. you also must think these things about immigration. You also must think these things about about the unborn, women's rights, about women's yeah. rights, all sorts of things. And then on the flip side, too, um, for example, in the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. you you might care about like all these different social justice issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not room for you to also be like pro-life yeah. as a Democrat, yeah. and which is also a social justice issue. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's so much where they say this is black and white. And and I think that there's some people that are pushing for that gray and that are pushing for less of that two party. But mm-hmm. it's so hard. And I think that we get wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, like, um, if you believe in this, then you're a communist. Or if you totally. believe in this, then you are not a Christian. Totally. You know, and and so sure. it's it, it's so important to sit down and actually think. Like, if we strip all these different mm-hmm. things away mm-hmm. and we look at the people, mm-hmm. I think there's so much more room for compassion, yeah. and there's so much more room to actually um, connect and care about these people. Uh, it actually makes me think of. <laughs> This is kind of an out there example. But it's a scene from the movie, The Promising Young Woman. Oh, I was which... going to bring up
0: The Promising Young <laughs> Woman. <laughs> I got it.
1: So we're actually, we actually, I think this episode will already be out by the time this episode comes out. So we're, we have an episode that is already out, I believe, about The Promising Young Woman. Go watch it. It's an it. Oscar Political nominated letter. movie that's um, came out in December, directed but. Directed by a female. Directed by a woman. And <laughs> anyways, it's about sexual assault. It's not <laughs> about race at all, really, but it's, <laughs> it oh, yeah. um It has uh, this one woman in it who uh, basically is Mm -hmm. victim-blaming. And Mm -hmm. she is talking about how, like, this girl got sexually assaulted. And she's like, well, she probably shouldn't have been so drunk. She Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have Mm -hmm. put herself in this situation. Oh, it was probably for attention. Mm -hmm. Things like that. And then she has an instance in the movie where... Th- this same woman thinks she might have just gotten sexually assaulted yes and she freaks out because mm-hmm. she feels so violated and she doesn't know what happened because she was so drunk yep. and it's this whole mind game it's a very fascinating movie um but uh she then has so much more compassion mm-hmm. for that situation mm-hmm. and winds yes. up like yes. giving um evidence that that helps towards the case of this other girl who who was sexually assaulted and she winds up having this sort of like Um, change of heart, but but because she experienced it. And I think that so often we detach ourselves Mm -hmm. from situations like race, women's rights, sexual assault, immigrate, all all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, We detach ourselves from it and we turn these people into just like numbers Mm -hmm. or just like distant uh, sort of like stories that we don't actually mm-hmm. connect with and then we, we can be so harsh and Im- impartial and impersonal mm-hmm. towards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if we sat at the table and talked to someone mm-hmm. who has experienced um, racism, mm-hmm. if we sit at the table and talk to someone and really listen to them who's been a victim of sexual assault, of oppression, of whatever, yeah. and opened our hearts and our ears to them, there's just so much that could be done better. You yeah. know. Yeah and yeah. you you feel that that actual connection to people that's what's gonna um bring change that's that's bipartisan mm-hmm. that's what's gonna bring change that doesn't matter what party you are because you're caring about people and their yeah. hearts
3: right if you could all just remember that we actually are supposed to be on the same team yeah you know and it's not red blue whatever elephant donkey you know <laughs> it's like it's we're supposed to all gather around this lamb mm-hmm. yeah and when we gather around this lamb there are a lot of commonalities that we actually have that we don't really fully realize that we actually have mm-hmm. and i think what you were saying even with the stories sometimes like My biggest fear is for people that are so detached now, like I actually don't want you to have to experience something so up close Mm -hmm. to where you now get it. Yeah. But for some people, I'm like, "Ah, that may be the only way Mm -hmm. that you get it, you know, because something has to happen to someone that is very, very close to you where the story becomes real. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You
3: know, and it does feel at this point like it's so far away. It's so far removed. Um, But it's like, actually, you don't even realize sometimes it's like right in your backyard. Yeah. And you have no idea because you just live in your bubble. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, and you live in your world. Um, But there are people that are very actually close to you, Mm -hmm. closer than you actually think, Mm. that have experienced these things, but you wouldn't know because you're not at the table. Yeah. yeah you know and so i think for churches when I, if it started in the church that could be like a huge ripple effect Yeah, and if you think of all the many churches that are over the entire in the entire country if this type of conversation these types of things started to happen within each individual church what that would look like and how that would ripple throughout our entire country. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a firm believer that nobody wants to come to church because we are hot mess right now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not attractive, especially mm-hmm. in 2020. Whoa, mm-hmm. like, who wants to be a part of those people, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we're looking at the world and we're like, well, the world is going mad. I'm like, the world is doing what the world is supposed to do. They are living up to their job. They are mm-hmm. fulfilling their mission. Like, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. What we should be surprised about is how we're handling ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. and what we're doing and how we're not shining. Like, our light is not shining like a city on a hill, mm-hmm. yeah. no. mm-hmm. you know. And so, it, but it could shine. Yeah, It has so much potential to, and because that is what it is designed to do, and so you hold really firmly to like, okay, I believe that Jesus is coming back for this beautiful bride without a spot and without a wrinkle, so I know she's going to become glorious, and she's not ugly right now, okay? Completely. She's not like a <laughs> disheveled mess yeah. completely yeah. right now. She has beautiful There's parts There's so
1: opportunity for redemption.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's a hot mess, but... Mm-hmm she has a story of redemption waiting for her. Mm-hmm. It's just that redeeming love story that he's going to come back for his beautiful bride mm-hmm. and she's going to be gorgeous. She's going to be spotless. Um, but there's space mm-hmm. yeah. to improve for sure.
0: Well, and that's the beauty of the gospel. We can bring it back to <laughs> yeah. is like, we are such a broken, hot mess, but because of that, it's, it's God's work and by God's work mm-hmm. only that like, the church can accomplish anything. The church can be beautiful. The church can, you know, spread light and love, you know, it, I think these last few months have been so revealing to our total state of disrepair that it's like only God, Mm -hmm. honestly, Mm -hmm. only God.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like that. I just, I, I'm so late to life. So I just started watching the chosen. Um,
0: Oh, I still haven't gotten it s- yet. So yeah, I've you're watched it. Yeah. only two, yeah. two episodes in. Two <laughs> in like, but yeah. one
3: thing that he, this guy said in that in the first episode, it's like it has to be God Himself. So when you just said that right now, it's like it's not human hands or human function that's going to be able to redeem the church. It's going mm-hmm. to be God Himself. He's the only one that's going to be able to um, purify and make her beautiful again um and like i said she's not completely ugly so don't get me wrong she just (laughs) has some spots that needs to be worked up, you know (laughs) and and it's like you were saying that realization that we are in desperate need of a savior Mm -hmm. and it's not saying oh i am all put together every single day um even for the church to even say oh we are right we Mm -hmm. are we have nothing wrong we've never done anything wrong like no boo boo you you got some issues and you do things and you make mistakes Mm -hmm. but being able to realize recognize them admit them Mm -hmm. if the church admitted their mistakes repented Mm -hmm. meaning to turn away from Mm -hmm. and ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. for some things that they've done instead do you know how healing, one, it would be to the church, yeah. but how healing it would be to humanity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if my people will turn away from their wicked ways mm-hmm. and follow me, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's the story of the Bible, like yeah. God's people needing to repent. Mm-hmm. And like in that repentance, God brings the healing absolutely, yeah. and the victory and all the things. But, you know, we're not going to get there like with our self-righteous oh, mhm you know. You gotta pull that self
3: righteous <laughs> stick right on out. Oh my gosh. you're two cheeks. <laughs> I mean, like literally. You gotta pull it out because like it's just no. Yeah. Calm down, yeah. your stuff stinks and it's okay. We all use poopery. Yeah. Like let's just be honest about it and be real. Yeah. And I think that is what, especially when you deal with like younger people yeah. from like teenagers to early 20s and things of that nature, they're looking, they're walking away because they don't sense the re, uh, the realness of it and the mm-hmm. authenticity of it. And mm-hmm. so when people actually start getting real and they actually start saying, hey, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. It's not perfect, but we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, people can identify with that. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm not, re- I'm not perfect and I'm working on it too. So Y'all might be my people. You know, when people do that and become real, oh my goodness, you might actually see some people come home. Mm. Yeah,
2: that's good. But I also feel like that is a lot of why we started this podcast, because we are young women trying to navigate life, navigate the gray. That is hard enough. We also all three happen to be women of faith. And um, we actually needed space to talk about what, isn't going well,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: what has negatively affected us, and create that room for that feedback and that process. And that doesn't mean that we aren't Christians, or mm-hmm. that we don't love Jesus, mm-hmm. or that you know we don't love the church. I deeply love the church, mm-hmm. and it's because I deeply love the church that I'm willing to sit here and say y'all need to look at this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this is where I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. This is where you have hurt other people and where we need to grow and be better because we're actually called to a higher standard Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Just because it's
0: feedback doesn't mean it's an assault against God's church. Well, and honestly, if you're in the church right now, you should be repulsed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it should be, you mentioned like being hard for people to go to church right Mm -hmm. now. It should be hard for you to go to church right now Mm -hmm. because like it's cringy it's it's cringy it's a real mess we've all experienced pain in our own ways but if you're either a pretending that Mm -hmm. everything's fine when it's not or b haven't experienced it and aren't listening to the stories of people who have like you're missing out on like the need that we have and you're actually blocking progress and not like furthering a bubble
2: Yes. you're fully in a bubble and you need to open your eyes and look around
0: Yeah,
2: and it's like that dear lord like just remove the scales from my eyes so that I can see rightly Yeah, I remember I think it was my second year of ministry school so seven years ago now that I just heard this like word in my heart that I was like oh god just give me proper perspective like whatever it costs mm-hmm. give me proper perspective of everything around me mm. um of course, that is going to be a journey and a process, mm-hmm. and it's hard and it mm-hmm. hurts, But you and you have to face a lot of pain, but now it's like, oh, I can actually address the issues mm-hmm. now that I
3: see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. seeing it is the big deal. It's mm-hmm. the big part of it. It's not realizing... A lot of people just don't realize they have blind spots. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know? And even with the race situation particularly, like... Your worldview your own personal worldview has shaped the way that you see the world Mm -hmm. it's the lens that you specifically see the world through just because of your upbringing your surroundings and so not to say like oh my gosh everybody's racist like I won't put that label on people like I won't but I will say a lot of people are very ignorant yeah just because of their worldview Mm -hmm. they have a very limited worldview so they absolutely do not know and then sometimes Mm -hmm. we willingly stay in our bubbles because our bubbles are safe it's yeah you know but it's a scary prayer to pray what you just said to say you know the perspective i want to have the correct perspective about all these things Mm -hmm. and if we, y'all, y'all know y'all prayed this prayer back in the day when you were like a teenager because somebody told you to, um, you know, Lord well, break my heart for what breaks yours, Oh
2: gosh. you know,
3: and you grew up saying that and, you know, and as you were kind of coming in your own faith, like for myself, I was kind of my own faith. I'm like, no, I want my heart to break for what breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are many days that I've just sat and cried mm-hmm. just simply because of how his kids are going at each other. Yeah over the things, Mm -hmm. whether it's politics, whether it's the race issue, Mm -hmm. whether we should say black lives matter in church or not, because of what the actual organization stands for. And like all the I'm like, oh but you're missing the point though. You know? Mm -hmm. And so like they all lives do matter one thousand percent. But they're suffering right now. So we're talking about them right now. Yeah. But even just that entire dialogue and with other things within the church specifically i'm like ah my heart would just break Mm -hmm. that his kids would one talk to each other like that yeah number two that his kids would completely miss the overall arching view Mm -hmm. of what's actually happening yeah i'm like is anybody sitting with jesus and asking him what he thinks about this Mm yeah yeah because he has the right perspective so if we ask him for his perspective we might actually see things a little differently yeah, yeah. a whole lot differently honestly yeah and we would respond differently mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's a big part of us missing it in the church as well of not mm-hmm. coming to jesus and asking him what is his perspective mm-hmm. what's yeah. his view on it yeah you know and instead of taking in our own mm-hmm. views and our own thoughts of how it should be looked at worked out and walked through
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's good but i think the good news is that like in that state of brokenness like repentance is the place where we can start absolutely Mm -hmm. and in that like god promises to bring the healing and the future and like the victory that Mm -hmm. we all want But yeah, it's first you have to be, let yourself be humbled, which is never a fun experience, mm-hmm. and so it's it's hard. And take it in. Sometimes you gotta just like
2: sit and like take,
0: like absorb
2: what is happening, yeah. and um, let yourself process it and sit with Jesus mm-hmm. and get that proper perspective and be like, okay, clearly I have some stuff to adjust in me. Yeah, like if I'm having a vile reaction. Mm-hmm. It says something about me. Mm-hmm. It's not about this that's mm-hmm. going on.
0: Yeah. Mm. No, that's really good. So shifting gears a little bit here. Shift. But kind of along the same, the same lines is um, this idea of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And it's become a taboo wor- word in our culture today. Usually it's that people associate deconstruction with leaving the faith and becoming right. an atheist. So that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about <laughs> deconstruction in terms of like breaking down some of those things that you just grew up believing or Mm -hmm. understanding and Mm -hmm. kind of going to the root of faith as its purest truth. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've all kind of been in the church. We've all experienced pain and hurt. And I think from, for me, a lot of that was rooted in the belief that the church had my best interest at heart and that the church was a safe place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that, I had a lot of, guards down and a lot of things happen so I was curious you talked about this in your 40 40 days was it 40 days to 40 or 40 40 days to 40, 40, days to 40 about like <laughs> navigating ministry hurt and you've been mm-hmm. in like in ministry like your whole life mm-hmm. so how have you processed that and reconciled with that as yeah. a strong beautiful worship leader now
3: Ooh, i'm a pk so that's a pastor's kid for those who don't know mm-hmm. um so i literally have grown up in church um my whole life my mom literally went into labor at church so wow. i literally yep so literally i'm almost born on the pew people say that but i literally <laughs> was almost born on the- <laughs> so um been in church my whole life and my dad was a new Christian right before I was born. I think he may have been, so 1977-ish, 78-ish, and then I was born in 81, so do the math. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, Four four years? years? There we go, almost. Yeah, four-ish years. And um, so a new Christian, never heard the gospel before ever in life, and he just went in full throttle. Um, And so I grew up in a home where my dad was... Everything was church. Church was life. Church was everything. Nothing else mattered. But church, 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 church. We will do church all day, every day, five days a week. Church, 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 church. I literally became a cheerleader in high school to not go to church on Friday nights anymore. Like, I just got to get out of here. I got to get out. You know? So, um, I've seen a lot, Mm -hmm. to say the least. Um, But... I was able to actually have a dad who I've seen navigate a lot of those things, um, which actually kind of is really crazy um, because he passed away right, he passed away when I turned 30. Mm. So this hindsight is like, ah, I said something at his um, funeral. I was like, it was like he had led me and walked me up into the point that he was supposed to. And now the training wheels were coming off and it was my turn to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Um. now actually sitting here in this moment thinking about that like oh that's how I navigated those 10 years of being 30 from 30 yeah. to 40 mm-hmm. Um. in that moment because what I saw him literally deal with um, mm-hmm. and he dealt with the crazy leadership that he only really knew as a dad because he didn't have a dad he didn't even know what a family looked like a unit looked like Um, so he had this spiritual figure that was now his spiritual dad, Mm -hmm. um, who didn't treat him the greatest, Mm. um, but still always wanted him around. Mm -hmm. So it was a very weird relationship. Um, and he kind of would expect him to do things, (laughs) Mm. unfortunately. Um, but his focus was always on my dedication and my commitment is to the Lord and it's not to people. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that navigated and lived out in my home on a consistent basis, even if he was fussing and cussing about what they have done. Mm-hmm. And even literally, you know, <laughs> can I say, I don't know, can I say this? Oh, yeah, okay.
2: 100%. <laughs> this is an explicit podcast. Literally.
3: <laughs> literally. One of my things, my uncle told me about him one day when he was mad um, at something that, probably I think his spiritual dad had done, Mm. he was pacing back and forth in a parking lot. And he was like, F this This It's about Christ and about them. F this. (laughs) I said, that's my daddy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So having that kind of mentality of, Ooh, people are crazy Mm. and they will be crazy. And I actually kind of expect them to be crazy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I had to learn to lean into that place of pain, Mm -hmm. sitting with it, not brushing over it. Mm -hmm. And I brought it to the Lord. And I'm like, hey, this hurts, this sucks, and your people suck. Mm -hmm. Like your kids, Mm -hmm. they suck right now. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here anymore, and I want to walk away. Um, And one thing that he told me one day that I had to write on my board in my office was to learn to embrace the king and ignore the fool. And I was like, oh, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "Embrace the king and ignore the the fool," because and it was from the story of Nabal and Abigail, and um, like he was a king, but he was being a fool, and mm-hmm. so learning to ignore the foolish things that they did and speak to that king inside of them and speak to um, who they actually were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn to heal without getting an apology
1: mm.
3: because um, as much as we feel that like we are owed an apology and we are probably absolutely true, it's true that we are owed an apology mm. for what we um, have experienced. The reality that we may not actually get one is real mm. um, because that takes someone... You know, reckoning with themselves what has happened and, and that they did something wrong and we don't admit that we've done something wrong, which yeah. is why we won't get an apology a lot of times. So mm-hmm. I had to learn how to heal without getting an apology. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to um, allow Holy Spirit to literally how to cast my burdens, to cast my cares mm-hmm at Jesus feet and allow him to heal me without human form actually ever coming in to heal that place. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I waited on human form, I probably would not be in a church to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, but going back to my dad's mantra, you know, like it's about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, no, you did too much for me to walk away for their stupidity and their foolishness. So help me help myself because they're crazy <laughs> and, yeah. and i don't want to deal with the crazy people anymore yeah. um but i had to learn just to even process my own pain like i learned know how to counsel myself mm-hmm. and it's so weird you know you say holy spirit's a counselor you know and like so between me and holy spirit together like walked myself through okay what's the root you know, mm. um, why did this hurt you so bad? Like, what is the trigger? Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, what do we need to deal with within ourselves, you know, in order to heal past this moment, to not take this into this future? situation relationship or whatever else okay maybe you need to sit down for a little bit maybe you need to take a break you mm-hmm. know and just take some time and heal now i know i like water you know mm-hmm. i didn't know i liked water back then so mm-hmm. i have to at least go look at water to find my peaceful place mm-hmm. so i had to learn a lot about Riva um in that process of navigating the pain and navigating the church hurt um and then learning how to put up boundaries mm-hmm. um my mom used to always tell me, you make friends too fast and everybody is not your friend. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I'm Reva. Everybody wants to be my friend. <laughs> what are you talking about? Honestly. No one would ever want to hurt me because I'm so amazing. <laughs> I don't That's understand exactly. what you're talking about. It's <laughs> always a party over here. And then I realized that wasn't true. And mm-hmm. there are people that don't like you simply just because they don't like you. Yeah, You know, those are some of the 40-day lessons that i learned was sharing it's like hey you're all you're not always going to be somebody's cup of tea mm-hmm. you know you're not always going to um uh, people are not always going to ex- you know expect the best out of you or mm-hmm. you know believe the best about you mm-hmm. and i'm like that was hard for me because i'm a two in the enneagram and mm-hmm. i don't understand you not believing the best about me and not wanting me to be your best friend yeah. so <laughs> when that is the case and people do vindictive things and mm-hmm. they try to set you up to fail that was new to me so 20 what am i i was 26 27 at the time like literally like people are setting me up to fail Hmm. and i'm Hmm. like wow but there was this, I just, I have to attribute it to the Holy Spirit, because there was like this Holy Spirit resilience that came up inside me as a 25-year-old. Nobody coached me. Nobody taught me how to do this. I have to say it was Holy Spirit, that it was this thing that came up inside of me that said, oh, no, you will never see me fail. I will always bounce back on my feet.
2: Mm. It is not
3: going to happen. I am not falling here. Mm. So I don't care. If you tried to do something, like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are we doing? And like, he would navigate me through the situation, and I wouldn't fail. And so in that moment, it kind of gives you this confidence. It gives you this reassurance that regardless as to what people may throw at you and what people may, how they may come at you, even within the church, that you got a secret power, (laughs) this secret force that is helping you navigate and will help you not to fall every single time. Mm -hmm. And so I've leaned into that place and just relied on that place um, throughout those years. And yeah i was able to use my dad's example um a lot as well but now knowing that's Mm -hmm. how i navigated it
0: Mm -hmm. wow that's incredible like to have that figure in your life and he probably you know learned the hardest lessons on your behalf and you're able to kind of take all the tools that he had taught you into i mean that's amazing Mm -hmm. the like beautiful legacy of parents and our yeah, ancestors
3: beautiful legacy of church, church. that's hilarious um <laughs> but i think it's just um yeah yeah even when you were learning lessons you didn't realize you were learning because mm-hmm. i couldn't until we actually talked that i realize like oh i learned
1: it from my dad yeah. Mm. yeah i didn't even realize it yeah and i think that that's really beautiful too that you were walking in um sort of recognizing that the church was flawed mm-hmm. and being okay with recognizing that mm-hmm. um because I think sort of like Kelly touched on with like the idea of deconstruction or of of doubt or mm-hmm. feeling sort of betrayed by the church or hurt by the church like those things can feel really scary and mm-hmm. I think that people a lot of times sort of like seize up at those words because it, it's like oh well you're just gonna you're going to leave them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to leave the church. You're going to leave mm-hmm. Jesus. And it's like, no, actually, like, I would argue that a relationship with Jesus is a lot stronger than those things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that it can withstand those things. Mm-hmm. And that people are flawed and we have to recognize that and recognize that they're actually not our Christ, yeah. mm-hmm. they are not our religion. Mm-hmm. They are not what we put our faith in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are just people who are also trying to figure yeah. out how to do things in a in a way that honors God. And and some of them aren't trying to figure out how to do things in a way that honors right. God. But it, I think that that's where people get hung up a lot of times is that uh, equating the body of Christ with Christ, mm-hmm. but that's not. That's just not the case, because mm-hmm. if it were, then we would be like Peter chopping off people's ears <laughs> and we would be like, uh, like, um, what is it? Ananias and Sapphira, like mm-hmm. giving false donation mm-hmm. amounts to the church right. and like all yeah. these things of, of people of faith that mm-hmm. we see that are that are messing up. That's part of the Bible and part of our, our story that we get to um Sharon as Christians because we are not the Christ. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah. But even that though, it's like the Bible is full of flawed people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did we find the narrative that we had mm-hmm. to be perfect? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Where,
1: what makes us think based off of the Bible that the church should be full of a bunch of perfect people. Not There's absolutely no impression of that. <laughs> and like,
3: I feel like it was very strategic as to why he left all the flawed parts yeah. in there because it's like hey this is a beautiful story of redemption it is a beautiful story of grace it mm-hmm. is a beautiful story of flawed people being restored mm-hmm. like so if we expect the church to be perfect right now like it's not going to be because look at history look at the bible mm-hmm. we do know how it ends but mm-hmm. the journey to get there it's a bumpy one yeah mm-hmm. it's for a sure. bumpy one yeah for
0: sure yeah and as i've been processing Things more. I mean, I really sort of like washed up on the shores of Redding, California, like kind of an empty shell after being on the missions field. And over time, like, had to kind of let go of my need to appear a particular way or perform a particular way Mm -hmm. in the church in order to feel like I was close to God or that I was Mm -hmm. being a good Christian or you know, whatever that even means. And I think what it has required me to do is really press in to Jesus and to trust that, like, in my incapacity, he is making me stronger and he is, like, using me more for his glory than Mm -hmm. I could do on my own. So I think, like, a lot of that pain created a way for me to, Understand, like, the power of God in my weakness, truly. (laughs) So, I'm still, you know, working through all of that. But I think, like, this idea of embracing the king neglecting the fool or ignoring the fool mm-hmm. and and remembering like people are crazy
1: <laughs> Literally. and
0: having oh, that crazy. expectation and not like to be guarded or to be like closed yeah. off or whatever not but like because
1: used to let nobody in right. and to isolate
0: right like... but because like wisdom mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. like it's life <laughs> mm-hmm. it's becoming mm-hmm. more accustomed to life maybe i don't know but mm-hmm. we'll yeah. see how i feel at 40 hey yeah. okay. <laughs> so feel i can't great
2: wait Honestly, I'm like, I can't wait to be 30 and I can't wait to be 40. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like ready to gain all the wisdom so that I can start to feel like I have more and more tools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to ask. Yes. Now that you are 40 mm-hmm. and looking back, what is one thing that you would tell your 20-something-year-old self Ooh. for the 20-somethings in the room?
3: I would say it's important to heal. Mm-hmm. I think I alluded to it earlier about walking through that healing process and not taking that into the next situation or the next relationship or the next whatever. Um, I've learned that if I do do that, then I'm walking in already with my lens, Mm -hmm. you know, for that particular situation. And the people are already set up to fail because I already have a strike against them because of what has happened to me in the past. Mm -hmm. So walking into situations Healed. go Mm -hmm. to counseling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, or if you don't have a counselor, can't afford a counselor, find a super trusted friend that you can process and walk through, you know, some of the healing processes with um, to kind of get to the root of what those issues are. Um, I'm a big get to the root person. Get to the root. I'm like, mm-hmm. don't deal with the symptoms, get to the roots mm-hmm. because that's where the real healing and the real transformation is going to take place by getting that root, uprooting it, and getting it out. <laughs> um, and then being able to heal that place where that root has lived for so mm-hmm. long. Um, so if I were to tell my 20 year old, 20 something old self, I'm like, girl, get some counseling, mm-hmm. get some healing, um, don't carry that baggage into the next season because one you want to fully show up in the next season Mm -hmm. and two you want to actually receive all that you're supposed to receive from that place Mm -hmm. and that relationship in the next season and you won't be able to do it if you're coming in wounded Mm
0: -hmm. that's good that's that's a word right there mm -hmm. (laughs) we can like cut that out (laughs) And, like, put it to, like, relaxing music. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like fall asleep, asleep to this every night. <laughs> Until you
1: really believe <laughs> it. Until She's like, really believe it. Healed. <laughs> I'm healed.
2: I'm <laughs> healed. No, I love that, though. And I can fully get behind that. I love my therapist. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be without her. Mm-hmm. And um, especially having people in your life. These two amazing ladies, (laughs) my fabulous husband, to help support that healing process is vital. Mm -hmm. So beautiful
3: (laughs) and so needed. Um, And especially become, like we were saying earlier, from families that didn't talk about things and they didn't process emotions and all of that. It can be very foreign to you, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to talk about the things, talk about the pain, talk about the hurt, talk Mm -hmm. about the disappointments. um, But you don't realize how much you need it until you actually do it.
0: Yeah. So. Mm, it's a good word. (laughs) I so admire you and all of your wisdom and strength and um, what you've brought to this discussion and just the world in general. Um, I was curious as a. As a woman, mm-hmm. as a woman of faith mm-hmm. and um, an educator and a leader, what does the phrase woman being mean to you?
3: Ooh. It's the one. It's the one. <laughs> you know, literally, <laughs> I really think of just fierce, go-getter, you-can't-tell-me-what-I-can't-do mm-hmm. type person the woman being Mm -hmm. you know um I literally it's like no boundaries no limits no limitations um to her Mm -hmm. to um the things that she accomplishes the things that she puts her hands to because her hands are on it is going to completely blossom and flourish because if anybody else's hands were on it It would not do the same because a certain level of magic that she has, (laughs) that whatever she touches, it just becomes way more than a man, sorry, being, would have thought that it would have become Mm -hmm. because we just have a special flair to us that they don't, but we do need them and we love them. But that's who she is and Mm -hmm. everything she touches just Mm.
0: It's good. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. um, as we're coming to a close, we love to plug away at you and what <laughs> you're doing. And um, So where can people find you? How can they know more? And also, like, what are some resources you recommend? Yeah. Whether that's books or podcasts of, like, things that have helped you.
3: Totally, totally. Um Since I'm just a girl, um, (laughs) you can find me on Instagram right now, um, simply Reva. And that's actually where I put my 40 Days of 40 situations. And I tend to dump my brain about life's lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, We will eventually compile those things into life. So you'll find out information about that there as well. Um, And resources. honey. There's another podcast um, called In the Light, mm-hmm. and it is by Dr. Anita Phillips. This okay. woman is beyond brilliant, um, deals a lot with mental health mm-hmm. um, and trauma and navigating relationships and a lot of heart stuff. Mm-hmm. She, I've listened to tons of her podcasts, and you just feel like you just get born again all over again. <laughs> um, so phenomenal, Dr. Anita Phillips. Um The A Tale of Three Kings is Mm -hmm. a great book by Gene Edwards um, that deals with leadership from literally dealing with Saul, David and Absalom Mm -hmm. and navigating how to deal with not so great leadership and Mm -hmm. how as a younger person, how to not overthrow the leadership that you're under simply because you disagree with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's a book that I recommend if you're in leadership, read that book for (laughs) sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Nona Jones has a book called success from the inside out. Um, She has a powerful testimony of how she overcame um, sexual abuse and Mm -hmm. trauma to be the person that she is today um, who is like literally um, over faith based partnerships for Facebook and how Mm. she's Navigated so many high corporate positions from where she began, mm-hmm. um, so beautiful. And a new book that actually just came out that I actually haven't fully, fully read, but I know the person and the story behind it, so I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, it's called "Woman Evolve," and it's um, by Sarah Jicks Roberts. She's Bishop T.D. Jicks' daughter, right. and her testimony within itself, being um, having a child at thirteen, and you know. A not so great marriage to now mm. this beautiful marriage in this ministry that she's been a part of mm. and she's just taking women um god's given her great revelation about eve mm. and so she has this thing about rescuing eve have a, has a mm. passion about rescuing eve I'm very yes. so um yes <laughs> so it's just about woman evolving into who god created you to be and leaving all your fears behind mm. so wow. i highly recommend it Stunning. as well
1: mm.
0: Oh, that's a good list. I'm like, I I, want to (laughs) read it. You're just talking about it. I have goosebumps. Just from, yeah, hearing about the book, I'm like, ooh. Ooh, Um, Well, thank you so much for coming today, for getting to know us a little bit and spending time with us. Like, seriously, such an honor. Um, We just feel so honored anytime someone says yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, like, it's... Incredible. And I know that this has helped me. I know it will be a gem for many other people who listen. So, um, yeah, we just really value your time and graciousness in coming on. Uh, woman beings out there, you can find us at, at Woman Being Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website, womanbeingcommunity.com. Please subscribe, comment, like, leave a review. Um we love like your questions and suggestions and all sorts of feedback that you've given us over time and so please bring it on we welcome it and um hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Just go down the line.